Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Sean and Liam. How are you, Liam? I am all right. It's uh, yep, all good up here in Japan, busy, um, but tomorrow's a bank holiday, so it's a day off and I'm having a wee beer. You're beauty. <laughs> How are you, Sean? Yeah, doing pretty well. I was off the face of the earth for the last week. I was on a school camp in a place with no signal whatsoever, so that was a bit... Came back to quite a lot of emails and notifications on that one. That'd be like going back to 1998 or something like that, wouldn't it? It was. It was. It really was like that, yeah. It's actually worse. There was no phone or anything. Stone ages. Fun times. Perfect. Yeah, and over here in Melbourne, we've... uh, There's never a dull moment. Let's just be honest here. Like, um, as of tomorrow, we officially become the world's most locked down city for this whole pandemic in terms of amount of days in lockdown. So go Melbourne. (laughs) On top of that, we had a, uh, we had a uh, six magnitude earthquake this morning. So great fun. So yes, let's get in there. (laughs) So um, there we good to talk about Celtic and uh, get stuck in. So, just want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in and uh, having a listen. Please, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe via your podcast app. We really appreciate that, seeing some good growth there. So we want to keep charting that way. So please do so, and thanks if you've already done so. Um, now, Liam's disappeared, so just you and me until we get Liam back into the room here. But we'll start off with the review of Celtic versus Betis. In the Europa League. So, Celtic 3, Betis 4. Uh, the starting lineup was Joe Harding goals, Juranovic at left back, Starfelt, Carter Vickers, and Ralston as your back line, Turnbull, Sorrow, and Rogic in the midfield, Montgomery, Ayeti, and Jota up front. Bench I won't even go into because, yeah, actually I will. It's one of the weakest benches I think I've seen at Celtic in a long time, especially in Europe. Barkas, Scales, McCarthy, Irrigidi, Bain, Shaw, Murray, Henderson, and Welsh. So I'll quickly chuck a couple of stats in. So it looked like, to me, I thought it was a pretty even game. Could have gone either way, and the score pretty much reflected that. 17 shots to 16 in their favour. We had 60% possession. We had almost 200 more passes. Bowers were pretty much spot on. Wasn't much in it. Same amount of offsides. We had more corners. What was your take on the game, Sean? Yeah, it was. It was actually quite impressive in the sense that you know they're they are they've nailed Betty's have nailed their intentions to the to the mast. You know they've they ran the flag up the flagpole. the The final is in their home city. They've said this tournament is their priority for this year. When you hear things like that, it's almost you'd almost like you'd rather have someone like a Tottenham. Because you know they they don't give a shit about it and they're going to rotate their squads. But when you someone like Betty spends like a hundred million euros in the summer, and then publicly declares that the most important thing on their agenda is making the final of this tournament, and then you're going to play in their stadium on a hot night, like you don't think you've got much of a chance. So in that sense, pretty positive uh, in that regard. You know we we've gone there and we've given it a good crack. Uh, we've got the Angie ball that we're all expecting. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, we got what we were promised. And some players put in some really good performances. Uh, Rogic stood out. Um, Montgomery looked good. Uh, yeah, like 
VAR helped us for a change. That was interesting. Uh, normally, those kind of things go against us. But yeah, it was the the main negative was the defending was as weak as a soft as a baby shit. Honestly, it was so soft. Like all four of the goals were so weak. Um, it, yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, there's maybe some sort of model we can look at of teams closer to home, where when they get a lead, they kind of park the bus and win the game. Uh, I don't know, just something to think about. Uh, would you rather, when you go one 0 or two 0 up, just shut up shop and, you know, maybe I don't know. Why can't teams do that? Why can't you know? You're talking about being an all attacking team. Why can't we be a team that's all attacking, but then when we go to nil up, tightens it up, like a Steve Clark team or David Martindale team, and then say they get one back and it's two one, then we can be more expansive again. I don't know. I don't understand that because we would just stay open. Football. Sorry, it's pragmatic football. It makes perfect sense to do that. But yeah. as we said early days with Ange, he'd rather go and you know win a game for three or lose a game for three than play a three all draw. So what's to kind of be expected? But yeah, back to what you were saying. Yeah, no, Europe's a free hat. That's the only thing I was going to say. Like, if you're going to do it, fine. At least it's not 7-1 like Rodgers used to dish up, you know, like, um, yeah. That, that's the only thing I'll say on that side of it is it's a free hat in Europe. Yeah. What was your thoughts, Liam? Yeah, um, pretty similar lines, really. I mean, um I I predicted that we were going to get an absolute pumping, and I'm glad that I was wrong. Um, but it's that thing of, you know, a loss is still a loss. The frustrating thing is if this was still the old UEFA Cup, I'd quite fancy us quite strongly to turn them over at Celtic Park and go through an aggregate, but that's not how the, the league system now works, you know, um, especially with the away goals not, not being around anymore. But no, I, I, it was much better than I expected, but obviously you're still disappointed to lose. But like Sean said, it's a game we expected to get nothing from anyway. So just the the kind of moral victory of scoring three goals away from home against a very good team who I think will probably make the last four of this tournament is, uh, you know, is decent. Like I said last week, it's one of the ones where... If you go to the away games and you can pick up a point, great. That's actually what you're aiming for. So the fact that we didn't get anything, that isn't the isn't a big deal to me. Like we said last week that, you know, the Betis game and Leverkusen away games, they're not going to get basically us and Ferencvaros. We need to try and get at least four points out of Ferencvaros. If we can beat them at their place as well as beat them at ours, perfect. That'll set us up. Because these guys are going to take them and Bettison Leverkusen, they'll take points off each other. I'll watch the Leverkusen game as well. These guys, I reckon they'll, they'll probably split the points. It'll be like, it's not going to be much. It's not going to be one team that dominates both of them. It's going to be close between the two. It might be a draw and two draws, or it could be a win each or whatever. But I don't really see either team getting the whole six points off each other there. So, yeah, it's going to be. Um, us and Ferencvaros, we've got to make sure we get the six points there, which will get us in the in the mix to potentially being second. If not, we're guaranteeing ourselves third and the conference league. Yeah, we we were in that situation last year, and then we lost six points to Sparta Prague. You know, 
So yeah. I, I don't know if we do so well in this position of of targeting those two middle games. Or we, we certainly didn't last year. So we need to see how it goes this year. Come on now, I'm going to say it. This is me being positive right now. Can we not compare it to last year? Please. <laughs> this isn't directed at you as a fan base. Look at Twitter. It is fucking toxic with some of the shit over the last couple of days. And can we just look at it and go, this is a new team. We spoke about it a couple of pods ago. The guys who started against Rangers, there was three guys who sort of started our last league game last season. It's a whole new team. We're betting in. We're getting used to a new manager and a new league and a new country for him with a new team. Can we not compare now to six months ago? Well, you're talking about being a new team, but we're still getting the same shitty defending. So there is that. <laughs> it took oh, Ange 18 months to win, the, to win the J League with Yokohama, right? It took him 18 months to do it. The sad thing is he won't get 18 months at Celtic, but that might be how much he's going to need. Well, if he did, then Sevco banked £40 million uh, by winning the league this year, if that's the case. Mm. And that's the issue, Sean. That's what I was about to say, because he's not going to get that time. And he's always done it in his second year, when it was at South Melbourne, second year he won the league. Brisbane, Mm. second year he won the league. When he took over Australia, he had the World Cup a year in his second year, it was 2015, we won the Asian Cup. It didn't depend. Second year, he won the league. Even when he spent that one season at victory, the year after he left, the team he brought in went and won the league. His teams always do that. But you won't get that time because of that $40 million because mm-hmm. that $40 million will allow Servco to clear all their debts, and that will... There's a... Not, not that we always talk that they're going bankrupt, and they're borrowing money and their share things are competitive. Uh, but if they bank that $40 million and get straight into the Champions League next year, they're, they're out of debt. There's no issue there. There's a couple of things I'll say just to counter that, Jared. One, um, we are going to strengthen at Christmas time, right? Guaranteed. No matter how many points behind we are, we are going to buy more players in January. That is a certainty, right? And we're going to get rid of the ones that don't work out, okay? And that's not going to happen at Rangers. Rangers were trying everything to flog Morelos, Kent, Kamara. Nobody took the bait. They're going to try the same. was Patterson. Yeah. And they'll try the same again in January because they are skint. It's all very well saying they'll have 40 million in nine months' time if they win the league, but bank managers don't care about that, right? You know, okay. if I, think I, get, I think when did they do, Liam? <laughs> well, no, not, 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 if you're, not if you've looked at the history of Rangers accounts, you don't, right? Okay, oh, if you're a smart yeah. man, you do not take any sort of IOU from that mob, okay? Right, you'd be as well just burning your money in a furnace, um, but. No, my point is, if we can just stay in contention until January, right? If we are still four, five, even six points behind them come New Year, going to play them at Celtic Park, I'm confident we can win the league from that position. Very confident. I agree with you. 100%. Like the six-point margin 
is what I've been thinking about as well. We haven't even discussed mm-hmm. this in our chat or anything, but for me, yeah, come January, when Ange can bring in a few more players, hopefully we can move on people that don't have a future at the club and get some money in. Guys like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Bitton, need him off the wage bill. He's not really contributing anything. I'd rather play Dane Murray and let Bitton go off the wage bill. That's my opinion on it because by then Julian will be back. So that means that's like a new signing at centre-back. Good. See you later, Bitton. Thanks for your service. On you go. Free up some wages to then go and spend and get some guys in from Japan. Perfect. Like That'll yeah. strengthen us. And then if they have to sell over to City, okay, cool. They could weaken the same deal. We could overturn it. However, we talk about our our board not wanting to speculate to accumulate, right? Mm. Rangers are gamblers. Let's be honest. Yeah. If they if they're sitting there going, go bank four million or five million or ten million or whatever it is, right now, but we can get a loan from somewhere else and push that off until the season where they've got a forty million coming in. They're going to roll the dice. Gerard's not going to let him sell players. And they're the sort of gamblers that would do that. Hmm. I just think it's seriously debatable if they've got the finances to last till the end of the season unless they have a fire sale in January. No, they've been running on fumes for years. It doesn't matter. Like As long as Douglas Park is going to keep writing a £1.5 million cheque every month, it does, it's irrelevant. Like what? That's all... As soon as their shareholders, fans, whatever you want to call it, voted to allow the the board to convert loans into shares, that that was a, it. Was all bets were off at that point. It was just it's just a they can bypass financial fair play, and the owner can just write as many checks as he wants as long as they convert into shareholdings. That doesn't uh, mitigate any financial fair play. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, not mitigate, uh, doesn't contravene any financial fair play rules as long as it converts to shares. So right. as soon as that happens, you know, that was that was it. They, it's basically just a Abramovich play thing for, you know, the Scottish version of Vladimir Romanov, you know? The lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doug, right, so Park Romanov. <laughs> so while we're, I'll just bring it back now to the Betts game Europa League, we're talking about Europa League, and then there was an issue across town in their Europa League game with BT Sports. Oh, mm. And Neil Bannon not being allowed into the stadium. So I'll throw that one to you, Sean, so you can give out a bit of an overview and tell us what you yeah. think about it. Oh, just if anyone missed it, what happened was uh, Sutton and Lennon were due to come in for the BT Sports coverage. Because the Celtic game was kicking off earlier, they were going to set up in the studio at Ibrooks uh, before BT Sport covered the the Sevco game at eight o'clock uh, local time with different pundits. They were going to have Sutton and Lennon cover the Celtic game in the earlier kickoff. Uh, Stuart Robertson, the Sevco uh, managing director, I forget what his role is, but he's one of the people to run the show over there. He said, "Nah, can't come in. You're a security risk," and BT had to switch to a London studio and get Petrov in, uh, which resulted in even more hilarity when Charlie Nicholas said that Petrov doesn't know anything about Celtic. Uh, the same Petrov that's been working Celtic TV for the last six months. Uh, whereas I'd be surprised if Charlie Nicholas could tell you uh, what jersey number any player in that Celtic team wears. Uh, 
from his ivory tower in London. Um, yeah, so anyway, Neil Lennon's now taking legal advice uh, on loss of earnings. Uh, John Hurston's came out and said Celtic would never stoop so low. Sutton said it's embarrassing. Look, it is embarrassing. Uh, the only risk with Lennon and Sutton going into Ibrox is that Lennon might drink the bar dry and Sutton might score a goal. That is about the only thing. Like security risk, in my arse it is embarrassing, yeah. and these it's becoming like it's looking very Orwellian over uh, Mordor these days. I, I don't know if you agree, but the twenty five k to become a media member, uh, the whole having your fans doing all the reports and excluding the. I, I get it's out to bringing the fans media on board too, but to actually exclude the mainstream media, like charging twenty five thousand, I mean. People were giving Fergus McCann shit when he chucked the media out of the skybox at Celtic Park. When he moved the media down from the skybox to the main stand so he could charge uh, corporate up there, people were giving him shit about that. And now Sevco are charging 25k just for a media to send one representative each game. It's, I don't know what is going on over there. Oh, I know, I know, I know exactly what's going on. It's, it's, a, it's a mixture of delusion arrogance and notions of supremacy from never ever having their authority challenged in Scotland. But the difference is BT are not a Scottish company. They're not going to take any shit. So I think Sevco picked a fight with the wrong with the wrong person here. And I think they're going to end up in big trouble. They've still got issues everyone. with BBC. They've got issues with BT Sports now. Who's going to cover their games? Perfect thing with... I'll look at it on two, two or three different fronts here. You've got the issues they're going to have in terms of they've got the league thing with the sponsor that they refuse to do, so that's already one battle. They've got the BT Sports thing where they won't go and cover their games or anything from Ibrox hmm. or even on the road. And you've got BT Sports, if they're covering it and they're not being get ground the access that they're paying for, they're just not going to show their games. So then that last one where they're not going to get any of their games on TV, great because – what sponsor's going to want to pay a certain amount because they're thinking, oh, we're with Rangers, they're going to be on TV every week. My brand's going to be seen everywhere. Do they not be on TV? Or who wants to sponsor around the pitch or anything like that? It's going to hurt them in the bank, their bank balance even further. So, yeah, they're just cutting off their nose despite their face. Uh, again, if you're a risk manager in the financial world, Rangers are an absolutely toxic business to get involved with. And I don't just mean toxic in the terms of their neo-Nazi supporters. I mean toxic and in, in, in financially toxic because no investment is guaranteed because at any point they could just throw the toys at the pram and say, nah, that contract doesn't matter. We're not doing it. Oh, and um, also, you, know, you think about the Daily, the Daily Ranger smear campaign against the fan media. Does hmm. that happen? If, if the Daily Record have access to... Rangers media uh, conferences. Does that happen? No, of course it no. fucking doesn't. Those those no. tweets have been out there for uh, like uh, however many years. And then Daily Record are like, hold on. These guys are getting in for free. They're charging us 25K. How about we just run a front page story discrediting these guys? Oh, that's about 10 minutes worth of work. No problem. There you go. Uh, that, that reminds but, me, actually, I need to go on Twitter because, um, you know, back in you know, maybe 10 years ago, I did put out a tweet saying that Rangers were a bunch of monosyllabic bigoted scum. And um, I just want to reiterate that I still believe that. <laughs> but, 
it should be no surprise that their fan media are bigots and sectarian mm. and racist. Like it shouldn't be a surprise. Like you're if you go into Ibrox and just touch one person in the shoulder, they're they're it's gonna be a, there's a very good chance it's gonna be a sectarian or bigot. It's easier to find a bigot in Ibrox than it is to catch an STI at university. Like <laughs> it's really that easy. Uh... All right, so that's the. We'll just leave that there then, because that's a good. <laughs> but yeah, that's the um, that's the hand bashing of the episode. So um, we'll leave that there. But... Oh, we've not, we've not even started the the hand bashing, son. Come on. <laughs> Depending on how much time, we can come back to it later on. All right, yeah, so we'll, games to talk about. Yeah, we'll we'll jump into this other game. I don't know how much time you want to put into it, but Celtic nil. Livingston won. Starting lineup: Joe Hart in goals, Wollongoli back in the team at left back, Welsh Carter Vickers, Juranovic at right back, Turnbull McCarthy, Rogic in the midfield, Yota, Yeti, and Abada up front. Bench: Scales, Biton, Sorrow, Johnson, Bain, Montgomery, Ralston. Now. I said a while back that this was the game in our first six or seven league games that I was most worried about. Not going to Ibrox, Livingston, Plastic Pitch. We just don't seem like we can win there. And it's not just us because Rangers tend to have problems on that Plastic Pitch as well there. So there's a little, I'm just going to go the, my first little tangent here. There's 11... You need an 11-1 voting thing to make a rule change in the in the Premier League. There's 11 teams with grass pitches. There's one that doesn't. Bandy together, vote this shit out, please, for the love yeah, of God. Like, yep. Get rid of plastic pitches. This is a chance to do it while Hamilton's not in the league, while Killy's not in the league. You've only got the one. Do it now. Make it happen. Yeah. It is an absolute joke of a that professional Scottish football have teams playing on, on plastic pitches. Here, here. Yep, totally agree. Now, totally agree. about the game, we were dominant. They they sat back as we expected and, yeah, wasn't like 80% possession to us. We had 502 more passes, but we got... Very, very, very little up front, just to be expected. Our wingers just kept whipping in cross after cross after cross. It doesn't work. 40 of them, to be precise. There you go. So instead of whipping in the crosses, they should have been running and trying to overwhelm the middle there, That like trying to come in back inside. But this is what I'm going to say. That's the sort of game where you'd kind of want a Ryan Christie sort playing left because – He's not going to go out and whip your crosses and he's going to run back in onto his right foot and look to shoot. Not necessarily from distance, but he's still going to want to come in and have a shot. So I didn't miss him, but that's the sort of player or a Scott Sinclair out left coming back in onto his right foot. That's what we needed instead of trying to go wide, hug the sideline and then whip a, whip a cross in or 40 of them, as you said. So I'll throw to you, Sean. Yep. You give us your overview and... Rundown of what you put on our run sheet, and then Liam off the back of that. Yeah, I've got a few things to say on this. Uh, the forty crosses for a start was the thing I put in our group chat because uh, 
that to me is indicative of shite bag play. Absolute shite bag play. It's I'm in the forward area. I've got two defenders in front of me. One of them is a big unit. Uh, I'm just going to chuck the ball in the box and it's somebody else's problem. It's shite bag play. And it was what went wrong for David Moyes at Man United. And it's what went wrong for Neil Lennon in the past. And uh, it's basically, I don't want this ball. I'm just going to chuck it in there and somebody else can try and pick it up. And I didn't like it. Did not like it at all. Uh, so a few things to give this actual result a bit of context. Uh, that's six losses out of seven away games this season. The only win, the only non-defeat was away to Jablonek. Uh No away wins domestically since Valentine's Day, 14th of February. Uh, we have never won on plastic at the spaghetti hut. Never. So that that sounds a lot worse than it than it does, but the it's five games. So we've played there five, on the plastic there five times, uh, and that's three managers. So that's Rogers, Lennon, and now Andrew Postecoglou failed to win at Livingston. Okay, so it's not just a Andrew Postecoglou problem. Uh, we're now on our worst start in twenty three years. We're on current pace for to finish the season with fifty seven points. 57 points. That's that's like fifth or sixth place kind of level of points. And before this game, Livingston hadn't won a game in the league. So this is their first win of the season against us. So when I was all of that and, you know, th- that and to go into the actual game, the first 20 minutes I thought we dominated uh, without really creating any clear-cut chances. I thought the one clear-cut opportunity rather than chance was when Abada got in behind and he should have cut it back to Rogic. Sorry, he did cut it back to Rogic, but it should have went to Rogic's feet, and instead it missed him by about three metres, somehow. Like, Rogic was just put his hands up, like, what was going on? And, like, it was the most bizarre cutback I've ever seen. Like, I don't know how he did that. Um, apart from, and after they scored, we just, we just fell apart, and Livingston parked the bus, and they fully deserved the win, really. Uh apart from those 20 minutes we didn't really do anything didn't threaten I said at half time we've lost this game already and nothing proved me wrong on that one the only mitigating factor is all the injuries we had we had uh, uh, sorry where's my list here uh, Julian Starfelt Taylor McGregor Forrest and Kyogo all starters out uh, not fit players Ralston Scales Jackie Marcus, and Mikey Johnston so there's uh, 11 players straight away that are just not contributing uh, in some way. And and one thing that actually occurred to me before the game, during the game and after the game is uh, you know, as you said yourself Jared, even Sevco struggled there. Like every team struggles on that pitch. What 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 do good manage what do good or what do other managers I'm not gonna say what do good managers, what do other managers do to deal with this? And and uh, it, it took me back to one game uh, I, I don't remember which year, where we were away to Tynecastle, and it was a Gordon Strachan game, and you're looking at the starting eleven before the game, and like, why the flip is Yeri Yarasik playing left mid? This guy's not played a game in like six weeks, and Strachan's just dropped him in at left mid here. What is going on? And look, we go out and we win the game one 0 and and at the end of the day, if you're talking about those forty hopeful whipping the ball into the box or just having to go long in a pressure situation or playing in a tight pitch you just need or something to stand up to a physical battle whatever it works 
it's not beautiful. We don't like it. Martin O'Neill used to rely on uh, Bobo Baldi scoring a, a header from a set piece to win these games 1-0. These, these managers know that, that playing Andrew Ball is not going to work in this kind of environment. Uh, you need to go Strachan Ball. You need to go O'Neill Ball. Like that pr- pragmatic managers know. And I I don't see Postacoglu taking the team there. Even if he signs, like you're talking about, Liam, if he gets all these players in in January and we go there in February or March, I still don't see us winning. Well, Even on that, Sean, I actually agree with you because I didn't, I don't, like some of the stuff was sent on as if Kyogo was there, we wouldn't, the crosses wouldn't have made a difference. They've got a row of four and a row of five across the, across the penalty box. Kyogo's only what, five foot six or something like that or five foot seven. 40 crosses into him, even if they're in the air, on the ground, whatever, it's not going to make a difference. So that's the sort of game where if we had to sign that Thomas Henry bloke, from Belgium, maybe he would have made a difference to a six foot four guy with good with the head. But at the same time, you're saying about Yuri Yarosic, well, that's the sort of game there where I would have liked to have seen Liam Shaw. A six mm. foot two, six foot three midfielder who will give you that bit more size and physicality, but can also go forward on a corner and hopefully get his head on the ball. Like that's the sort of game where you'd want to play him. Yeah, in the past when we beat Livingston away, it's been with Vinegar of Hesselink, with Sutton, with Hartson, you know, with these sort of players. It's not with fucking Zeravsky or McDonald, you know, like you you have to that is it's shit. Like if Scotland, if Scottish football wants to get rid of that sort of image and and improve the quality, we need to ban the plastic pitch like you're talking about, and we need to punish players that are going to try and injure someone in the first 15 seconds. And, and this is all big picture things, but uh, in a one-off game, the manager has to recognise that they have to be more pragmatic and they have to uh, adapt to the occasion. And Andrew Ball does not fit in a way to Livingston. It doesn't. It just doesn't. No, I mean, the, the, the thing is that... I've been trying to think of like positives to take from this, and I really do just wonder if there's a mental block about that place now. People, it's not just Celtic, like you say, Rangers, other teams, they think, oh God, it's the plastic pitch, it's Libby, what are we going to do? Everybody struggles there. Even teams that win there come away saying that was a horrible game, right? Yep. yep. And how do, we, how do we get around that? That's what we have to think about. And like you say... In the past, we've powered our way through it. It's been a header from a corner. It's been brute strength up front. And those are things we just don't have at the moment. I think maybe Ange brought McCarthy into the midfield at the weekend yeah. with a view to him being that midfield hard man authority figure. But he was just completely ineffective. Um I don't know if he's just not fit yet or if he's just pish. I really don't know because he's not a guy who I particularly rated before he came to Celtic anyway. And I don't know. I don't know about him. I really don't. Um, I think it's good that we tried giving Bologoli a game and now we can see that he's not what we want. Um, I think that as soon as either Jack Macus or Kyogo are fit, a jetty's out of there. Right? He scored a couple of goals last week, but 
he did nothing for practically 80 minutes of that game and he did very little at the Livingston game either you know it's all it's frustrating to watch it really is because you know that we are better than these teams but we just can't break them like we should you know it's all this neat interplay lots of close control but absolutely no penetration I think you're actually being a bit harsh on. Um, uh, I mean, Ayeti didn't see much service. Look, when Sorrow came on and put that one through ball to him, and he took an amazing touch, and that was actually our only good chance of the game, really, where Striek gets down and, and turns that Ayeti uh, shot around the post. Uh, mm. So I, I think you're maybe being a bit harsh on him. Uh, and same with Ball and Golly, as much as I hate the guy, like he was like. Joe Hart and Carter Vickers are the only ones to get pass marks and Ball and Golly might have been the next in line for me to to get a kind of passable performance out of the player. Uh, yeah, I mean, do, I, I'm not saying he was good. I'm just saying no. he was probably the next one I, up. Think, I, I, I say, just... Sorry, sorry ball, go ahead, Jared. How Ball and Golly, like... thing with him is he hasn't played in how long and he... Did enough, in my opinion, that well, you've the options you've got are Taylor, who's injured, you've got uh, Monty, or you've got Bolongoli. Monty's not going to be able to play all the games. So Bolongoli, I said early days when we we're linked with Ange, he's the sort of player that would work in any Ange team that he's coached over the last twenty odd years. So. Maybe he's got to get that, that, that rustiness out of his game on the weekend and we'll see how he goes in his next game before I pass a mark on him. But I saw a couple of belter tweets about him, by the way. Like, why is everyone saying yeah. anything he did was, you know, anything he did was went away because he was horny, stuff like yeah. that. And I'm like, um, okay, I get you, but come on, man. But what were you going to say, Liam, before that? No, I was just going to say I read one of those as well. Who else hasn't committed a crime for their whole, you know? Uh, um, but look, they are. Um, I haven't. <laughs> what are you talking about? Most of us remember Horny going Twitter, not a fucking airplane. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. A Tinder, sorry, not Twitter. Tinder. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I've led a slightly more interesting life than you guys have. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> no comment. No, um, getting back to what I was saying, um, I just think that when you come into the team and you're only in there because of injuries, right? Like Bollingall is only there because Taylor's injured, right? Ajeti is only there because Kyogo's injured. McCarthy's only there because Kalmak is injured. You've got to do something special to make the boss think, wait a minute, once my main man is fit, I've got a decision to make here. Whereas right now, tomorrow, if Ange was told those three players were fit again, the other three are out on their arse. No question. So basically you're saying you've got to do a Ryan Christie at, was it against Hearts? To, yeah. To basically lock your spot in if you're coming in in that situation. Yep, because a team the size of Celtic, you're not going to get many chances. And when you yeah. get them, you have to take them. So, so here's a question for you, Liam, relating to Anjibal. How many games right. do Yokohama Marinos play in a year? Like, are they expecting to play, like, 63 games like Celtic do? 
Like, could the, is and what I guess what I'm saying is, is Andrew Ball going to work if you're playing a game every three days, whereas Marinos usually play every week and maybe once a month yeah. midweek. I don't know. Like, it's like, it's it's it's, a, it's maybe a one in every four or five as a midweek game. So um, this is new to him unless he gets and, a much much deeper squad. Yeah, so it's similar and, to the A League where it's one game a week plus the occasional midweek game. Yeah. yeah, because even even the cup games in Japan, it's all condensed into like sort of November, December at the end of the season. Yeah, um, A League, you're lucky to get thirty games in a year. I don't uh, know about Japan, but that's what it is here. Well, the, the the league season is, I believe, either thirty-two or thirty-four games, and then oh, well. if if you get to the cup final, that's another six games, maybe. So say yeah. say, say a forty-game season at most. Yeah. At if most. you're if you're successful, that's if you win everything. Yeah. Whereas when if you you're successful at Celtic, you're at sixty-three games. You yeah. look at the A League, and it's twenty-seven games or thirty games uh, during the season. Actually, now plus finals is another three. So it's thirty-three. Plus, you go all the way to the FFA Cup final. There's another four. So there you go. Mm-hmm. You're looking at or five. You're looking about 30, 36 to thirty-eight games. Mm-hmm. Plus any Asian Champions League games on top of that. So. Looking about 40, 40 odd, yeah. So it's about the same. Aye, with the with the with the J League, if you if you finish in the top three, I think you go straight into the group stages of the Asian Champions League. So you're only looking at an extra six games there. Yeah. Plus last eight, last four, hopefully final. Well, th- this is short of Scotland. There you go. And 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 an an special start for Andrew Postecoglou's. Uh, what's the word? Um, Theory, not theory. Uh, ethos. I know special start for his ethos, and that he doesn't actually have his sports science team in yet to support him doing this. The the word he always comes out with is intensity and pressing and things like that. Well, yes, great. Forty games in a year, fine. You've now got sixty games in a year, Ange. Uh, players playing fifty percent more games. You're going to have to work that out. He's a sports science team in. You're going to have to start making subs before 74 minutes. You're going to have to get a deeper squad. You're going to, you know, you're going to have to rotate more. He's going to have to look at this. He, he's going to have to learn how to adapt to this. And hey, Sean, I'm, going to, yeah. I'm going to jump in there because we signed a sports science guy. I was, I was just going to say that. We, we brought somebody in yesterday. Hey? Wow. I mean, from Morton, of all clubs. But... Where, sorry? Is it Morton? Before that, no, 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 no. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing about that. Sorry to interrupt you, Jared. That's daily record pish, right? This guy worked for Tottenham Hotspur for 10 years. Yeah, I know. In the uh, sports department. And yet, the daily record headline was former Morton coach joins Celtic's backroom staff. Ah, uh, okay. So is it Joe Hart's pal? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, par- no, apparently the guy's credentials are actually pretty good from what I've read of him. He, he, um... He I'm focuses just, on strength and conditioning, which is what we need. So, I'm just suspicious of these jobs for the boys things, where like he's friends with Joe Hart and Cameron Carter Vickers, so they put a word in for him, and then Dermot Desmond's like, "Yeah, sure, that'll do." Well, if we can get our fitness levels up to the fitness levels of Spurs, I won't be complaining, you know. <laughs> yeah, it can't be. It can't be any worse than the empty chair we currently have. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah so, um, Anton Mc. Alone, or Alhone, however you say it. McElhone, I think it is. McElhone, there you go. I can't say yeah. it. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can see it. You can see it. At a, you'll see it at a Celtic game this weekend. You'll see 
all the fucking empty chairs around the players in the stand. That is our background team sitting in amongst those players in the social spaces. We've just got empty chairs, nothing like we've just got all we've got in the background right now is Strakens and Desmonds coming out of our nuts. Nobody else would need so many more bodies in the background and a few more in the front, the foreground. It is so underpopulated for what we want to do. So a bit of background info on McElone. So he previously worked for Tottenham Hotspur, close on a decade as academy and first-team fitness coach before becoming assistant manager at New England Revolution in the MLS in January 2018. He also had a stint with Bradford City, with Hopkin, whoever that guy is, prior to the pair working together at Capilo. So he was at Morton. But he's got done all the runs on the board before that. Wait, so he was at Morton most recently? Yep. Interesting. Well, it's probably just that he's come back to the he's come back to the UK from the States and he's looking for something to do while he finds a real job. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think too. So <laughs> hopefully there's no different Greenock listening. <laughs> well, I don't know. Have they have they have they discovered radio waves yet? A- anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Everyone at Liam was it six seven eight three on Twitter? Get at him in the comments. Well, I'm sorry, I went to Capolo once. It was pissing down with rain. It was a shit game, even though Celtic won. And I hope I never see that miserable fucking backwater of a place ever again. But no disrespect. Anyway, so player moving swiftly on. We quickly touched on him before, so we spoke about ball and golly, but. Yeah, James McCarthy on the list, and the the rumours that are coming out that he's struggling with the with the physicality and the fitness demands that Ange is requiring of his midfield players. What do you boys think of that? So, so the whole James McCarthy COVID thing was a really obvious plant, where uh, James McCarthy's like tells Packy Bonner to leak to them. You know, what I mean, like Packy Bonner is not going to divulge someone's medical information on BBC unless no. they tell him to explicitly so yeah. it was a really obvious plant uh and it's him buying himself some time which is fine buy yourself some time if you know that that's a level of self-awareness i'm aware i'm not fit i'm going to try and buy myself some time here uh but he needs to get his shit together because he was shit at the weekend and one of the celtic tv commentators was saying like oh he won't be used to playing in a plastic pitch uh from the premier league uh they did not play over a hundred games uh, on a plastic pitch for Hamilton, something like that. So there's no excuse for that. He is well short. His fitness is off. His touch is off. He looks pish. But the guy has a lot of pedigree. I think we should give him time, even if the COVID thing is an obvious plant. Um, he, he needs to get his shit together, but there's no question that he has the ability and there's, we've seen it in the past, players in their mid-30s, Stephen Davis over at Sevco just now, Lubo Moravchik for us in the past, Paul Lambert. You don't lose your ability, you lose your legs, you know. The, the ability, the touch is always there. You just need to kind of keep the rest of your shit in, in, in line to, keep, to, to use that, you know. So if we can get him right, I think he's going to be a great contributor. But right now, a four-year deal is looking like a really bad idea absolutely yeah yeah unless unless it's tied to appearances there, i'm hoping there's some sort of caveats because mm-hmm. 
it looks like fucking money up against the wall right now. It does not look like a good idea. I maybe there's a get out. Maybe there's sixty uh, percent of his salary is appearance based. I don't know, but maybe he's on five thousand pound a week. I, I I don't. I really don't know the details, but no, it, does, it doesn't look good. It's just I know that we have a we have a clause like that with Joe Hart, so I'm hoping that we've got something similar with McCarthy. Yeah. Whatever Joe Hart's cause is, he deserves to trigger it. Aye. He's been Aye. Aye. I mean, I, I don't know for you know, I don't know for certain, but from what I've heard from different people, it's that he has his basic salary is quite low compared to some of the other players, but he gets a significant clean sheet bonus. Ah. So, um, so that was kind of how you know he basically he put that idea to Celtic and said, "Look, let me show you what I can do." Interesting. You know, basically double my money every time I keep a clean sheet. So, hmm. so you didn't get paid this week, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, he he got paid his basic rate, which is still more than enough for any of us, but probably not what he, he was expecting. Why he's such a screamer? His defenders, if you know, they make a mistake and it's like, blah, he's having a crack right. at him. Yeah, you just not... cost me ten grand, just <laughs> ten grand. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, Stephen Welsh. Fuck you. <laughs> That's it. I'm taking half of that from your from your fund. You owe me the money. Hand it over. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. And then you had another player there you wanted to mention, Sean, about uh, Lil Abada. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I don't know. What do you, I, I kind of want to know what you guys think because I'm really not sure how to feel. Like he, mm. he shows some real flashes, but then he really determined to cut in and shoot with his left foot despite being a right-footed player. And I'm kind of weird about what's going on with that. And and I also kind of feel like it's a bit deceptive that he's... Is he still 19 or is he 20 now? Yeah, I can't remember. I was say, he's 19, that's my answer. Yeah. But he, mm. looks, he looks like an adult. Do you know what I mean? He looks older. It's kind of like Josh Tracy, mm. Fremantle. Like he looks like he's in his 20s. And I don't know if that's kind of making us judge him like someone that's 23, 24, when he's actually still a developing player, uh, you know, mentally, if not physically, because he really does look physically developed beyond his years. I don't know. What do you guys think about Abada? My, my view on Abada is I rate him. I think he's a good quality player. Yes, he's struggling a bit, but as I said, he's 19. He's developing. Physically, he may look up to it, but mentally, it's... How's he going playing so many games compared to what he was doing back in Israel? And how's he learning and developing and being coached so that when they take away your right foot, you got your left foot. How can you get back to your right foot or how can you, when to pass, when to release, when to cross, all that sort of stuff under the pressure and under the microscope of Glasgow? I think we just need to, I'll look at it and go, it's pretty much what a year older than, and Karamoko. So, is that people... right? Yeah, Karamoko is 18. Mikey Johnston is 22 for content. There you go. So, and Abada looks more masculine and everything and built and everything, more filled out than the Mikey does. But yeah, I think we just got to keep reminding ourselves he's 19, he's going to make mistakes like Paddy Roberts when he came in his first season. Yeah, he hit the ground running, but. He didn't play absolute blinders and make the right decision every single time he got the ball. So, got to give him a bit of time. 
I'm going to say something a bit weird here, but I actually think Abada's form in the first few games of the season has actually worked against him. Yep, because great. he was phenom- he was phenomenally good in those first few games. And I think it's given us all unrealistic expectations of him. Um, because particularly the game at Ibrooks, he looked every bit like a naive 19-year-old in that game. I mean, there was quite, you know, a lot of players didn't live up to their billing that day, but he, to me, especially stood out as somebody who just, be it for mental reasons or just being the awe of the occasion or the fact there was no none of our supporters there to get behind him, he seemed rattled. He's he looked seemed, like a headlock slam. Yeah, exactly. Exactly it. And that is something that you can only work on with maturity and with growth and with further development. And for a 19-year-old, he still has a lot of time to develop and to work all that out of his game. And I, I hope I hope he's going to be especially fired up next time we play them to go out and prove a point. Hattrick, called it early. Yeah, he's, uh, he's 18 months older than uh, Karamoko. There you go. So he's, he's turning 20 in two weeks, Abada. Right. And he, so he's younger than Stephen Welsh, younger than Mikey Johnson... Yeah, younger than players that are just breaking in from our youth team. So realistically, he's probably a third or fourth youngest in the squad. The first team squad, aye, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the only younger ones would be Karimoko and Dane Murray. Is that is there anyone else? Yeah. Or Montgomery. Actually, I don't know how old. Montgomery. Yeah, that's where I thought him. He'd be around there. Adam Montgomery's about eighteen, isn't he? Yeah. Aye. Aye, because they made the point during the Betis oh. game the other night that boy playing for Betis was more than 20 years older than him. <laughs> Montgomery is 19. He's Aye. older Aye, than Right. Aye, because yeah, Betis yeah. had a 40-year-old playing for them and they said he was literally double Montgomery's age. So, yeah. Hmm. All right, anyway. so we'll jump on to our next main topic to, to discuss. We'll try and keep it as short and sweet so we don't make any of the listeners fall asleep because it's going to be talking numbers and the club financial report. So mm. Celtic announced an £11.5 million loss before tax. Uh, I was going mm. to rattle off a few little things here. Our yearly revenue decreased by 13.4% down to $60.8 million. Club's operating expenses decreased by 7.6%. Uh, player sales... We made a gain of nine point four million. Anything there you go, hoops we spent thirty and a half million on new signings. Anything you want to add in there, Sean? Nah, not I just I sent it just for the sake of it. Like it's the headline is eleven point five million loss. Uh we're down on player trading with re- income has decreased by ten million. Like it's not nothing really is a surprise. Um, you kind of still hope that it's going to be better, but when it comes out, you're kind of well, it makes sense. So there's nothing really drastic there. It doesn't in, really inc- it doesn't include fees for Christie, Edward, or Ayer. Um, so that almost ties in with the the ten million that we had spare from player trading this summer. You know that yeah. kind of balances out in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see how. It, it's it's always one of those things like the results come out so far after it happens that you you you're kind of you know you're adding on 
post balance figures to rationalize whatever you want to believe you know it, it's so hard to 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 track it really there's just a couple of things about it that don't make sense to me and i think it's just the way it's i think it's more down to poor reporting than anything celtic might or might not have done but first of all how can you have such a drastic drop in income when even though there was no games you still had the same season ticket revenue uh, no, nobody's buying oh. pies. Aye, but here's the thing then. There's no staff either. Does the matter? You make profit even when you're staff. No, but, but you don't buy pies if you've got an empty stadium. So it's it's a zero. No, the pies, it's not a net zero. Do you know what I mean? Like pies don't cover the cost of the staff, is what I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. The staff are all agency. They just wouldn't use them. My, no, no. my dad, my dad ran the catering operation at Celtic for about ten years. It was all agency staff. Yeah, I, so, I, I worked. At, I worked as agency, right. but there's some so permanent would, staff as well. Aye, but you're talking, you know, probably fifty grand or something at most, right? You're not talking about a big. That's not eleven million quid there, you know. No, no I, I'm not. No, that, you're um, missing my point. My point I'm saying right. is they're missing out on on um, the profit they would get. Like, yeah, on top of what the expenses would be, they'd be, say, if they're making 50 cents a pie every game, yeah. you're selling 10,000 of them per home game. But that's, that's my point, say, though. The, the, the report, as I read it, didn't make that distinction. Yeah, no, it didn't. It, it just said Celtic lose 11.5 million. Yeah, when what it actually meant, probably meant was we made 11.5 million less than we made in a fully functional season. Well, the first thing they said to mitigate, uh, to explain themselves, was player trading. That was the first reason they gave. Mm. So the, the first, the, like when you read when you read it in order, the first right. thing they say after the the thirteen point whatever percent decrease, the first thing they say is player trading. That's the first reason they give. The other thing I'll throw right. in there, Liam, for you is mm-hmm. it doesn't get factored in to player trading, but it would be is loan fees. Yeah, and we would have had plenty of those last season. Yeah. You look at how many we had on loan. We would have had two million for Duffy. You would have had mm. to pay Everton something for having Kenny. You would have had to pay every like AC Milan would have had to we would have had loan fee to them for lack salt. Those don't really count as player trading because they're not in and out, they're just an expense. So you would have had that, plus as Sean's saying, the lack of profit on the pies or whatever you'd normally make there, plus the corporate facilities where if you'd sell a normal ticket is twenty quid or whatever, but you're selling a corporate package for a hundred, then there's going to be that profit there as well. You're not making. So, right. I mean, that, that that I'll give you that. That is where they would lose quite a bit of money because yeah, we sell you, eight thousand tickets for every game. Aye, everybody last season just had a standard season ticket, even your corporate customers. So yeah. a guy that you might have been getting ten grand off of him for a box, you're only getting five hundred quid for his season ticket last season. Exactly. So aye, that 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 makes sense when you when you that's when where you it all add up. That. So if you look at it on those two fronts in particular, the corporate mm. stuff and the loan fees, I think that's where the two biggest ones would have been for me. If you also look at uh, the eight thousand non-season ticket holders, so mm. that's like that's two hundred thousand pound a game. If you assume it's twenty five, it's probably more than twenty five pounds. But if you factor in some kids' tickets, so that, that in twenty eight games a year, that adds up to like. 5.6 million straight away just from not being mm. able to sell, sell match day tickets above season tickets. Right. 
Okay. And also, uh, another thing I was thinking of, um, we actually, if you read the report, we've actually increased our retail. Uh, with the Adidas deal coming on, we've actually, yeah. in, the retail income had actually increased from whatever it was, 10 to 15. So we actually... Ah, I mean... I've got another thing wait. to as well. It just popped in on my head. Yeah, Let's quickly in on that. Is, okay, we would have been setting up the um, the women's team went full-time as well. So that wouldn't have been overly expensive, but it's still a cost. Mm-hmm. Full-time coach, full-time players, renting pitch to, for their games to be played at. That would have added couple of million to that at least as well. And, and, and B, I, team, B team recruitment was included in the balance sheet as well. Yep, there you go. Plus the women's team brought in at least three players from abroad as well, so I imagine there's going to be housing costs and whatever involved there too. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, boys, I guess you can see why I failed my math higher. Huh? <laughs> <sighs> uh, it's not great, but also it's not Shocking. Do, do, like, do you agree with me though that it was poorly presented the way it was put in the newspapers? Do you know what the thing is that everyone's but the thing that everyone's pouncing on is that under highlights the first thing is second in Premier League. I know. Then, I know. Uh, is and everyone's like, "What? That's not a highlight." And like, no, that's not really what it means. It doesn't <laughs> no. mean this is a bright yeah. point. It means this is a key performance <laughs> indicator. It doesn't mean yeah. this is a great thing. I looked, you at, know? I looked at that short and go, "Okay." So it's a highlight because we come second, and in the low light section, are they going to put that they put fences around the stadium? And <laughs> Is that how they're balancing that? Low, low lights. We lost five times to Sevco. Kind of thing. Look, you know. Like, I'll be honest. You know. I did. I did do the stupid Facebook thing and rage comment about that. I was like, "Oh, perf- uh, oh, key performance indicator, second in the league. Read the fucking room." You know. <laughs> It's like, no. And then I thought about it. I thought, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. Yeah. It was just because they used the word highlights. Like, yeah. Aye, yeah. aye. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what we'll do quickly to wrap up the pod so we don't go too long and keep everyone here while we talk for another half an hour or so is mm. on Thursday, you've got us playing Wraith Rovers in the League Cup. What are you expecting in that? Play the kids or we just come out and try to absolutely slaughter them? Seven, eight past them, you know, just to get back into the Angeball way. What do you boys reckon? What do you think? Scales, Scales Jack and Marcus, Mikey Johnson will all play. Uh, it'll be it's a home game, so it's a bit of a buy, really. We'll win three now. Uh, yeah, rest some key players, get some minutes into legs that need it. James McCarthy as well. I would, yeah, I would second that. I think, I think it'd be a bit more than three. I think it might be five. I think we might score five. And I hope, I hope Jackamakis gets at least a couple of goals. Even though it's against Rafe Rovers, just psychologically for a striker to score as early as you can in your career is always a good thing when you're a club. Yep. I'm hoping Dane Murray gets another game because I thought he didn't do anything wrong earlier in the season. So I'd like to see. Him get a run at some point, whether that's off the bench, play Welsh for 60 minutes, then take him off and put Murray on or whatever you want to do. I'd I like think to he's the sort that if we're two or three nil up by half time, I think you could see him coming on for the second half. I think it'd be one of those. And do we go a cup goalkeeper? So have Barkas in instead of Bain? Uh, no, fuck no, <laughs> no, no, do not take that chance. I just wanted Sorry. to see your reaction, Liam. Fuck! 
Well, there's in terms of Dane Murray, the next B team game is like a week and a half away. Uh, right, give Owen Moffat a game then on the weekend. Done. Yeah. I'm getting palpitations now that you mentioned he who shall not be named. Oh, bloody hell. Barkus. Fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then on um that, that game there, Thursday, so Friday morning works well for me because we had a public holiday here in Melbourne on Friday. So, yeah, that could be a nice one for me. Get up early, watch the game, and then be like, why am I up at like 6 a.m. on a public holiday? You dickhead, go back to bed. One thing that annoyed me was that they fucking papped us on a Thursday when they're. I know I get it's for Premier Sports, but it's like we're going to play Sundays more than Saturdays in this half of the year up to New Year. I don't understand why we couldn't be why we couldn't be tonight when the Huns are playing tonight. You know, especially when I've got tomorrow off. It's Premier Sports. <laughs> it's for the TV. It's I know, TV. I know, but it's it's just really annoying, isn't it? That we are the game against bumped. When, when yeah. did the Huns play on the weekend? Was that on Saturday? No, uh, no, they played the same time Sunday. as us. Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there goes that idea then. Mm. Oh, All right, and then on the weekend we've got us versus Dundee United. Sunday midnight, Monday, our time. Uh, Going to be a bit of a tough one there, and they've been playing pretty well, Dundee United, from what I've okay. seen so far. Um, I think if we win, that'll probably be a two-one win. Yeah, I think. Yeah, actually, I, I think three-one, but I'm not too far off your thinking there. They've been pretty strong as a unit. Yeah, it's a tough game. But it's Sorry, home. No, you don't get you don't get double your wages in this game. Uh, yeah, no. Like I, I'd be I'd be calling for. Uh, I, I'd be worried if it was an away game, but a home game, I think three one. Two 0 but I think we might not score until about an hour into the game. Makes now you're giving me heart palpitations, mate. What are you doing? Uh, well, yeah. there's one thing about supporting the Celtic. It's never dull. Exactly. <laughs> All right, boys, so we'll go our final thought for the podcast before we wrap it up. Sean, you first. Oh, geez, I didn't have one prepared. Uh, uh, no, I don't have any final thoughts, sorry. Uh, then, uh, no, I was not prepared, sorry. Got anything, Liam? Uh, just a wee... Uh, raise my glass to Jimmy Greaves, and uh, thanks for all the, the great TV memories, Greaves it, and... Uh, you will be missed. I did not know about that. Ah, uh, he uh, passed yeah, on on Sunday. Someone's got a feed in his face now, everyone. <laughs> uh, my final thoughts are, if you're from Melbourne, stay the fuck home, please. please. Just, I've, I've got uh, one. Sick of lockdown. One. Come on now. Over you, Sean. More, a more positive one to finish on. Happy 50th birthday, Henrik Larson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, everyone, thanks again for listening in. Please join our Facebook group and like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Celtic Down Under, and check out our website, www.celticdownunder.com. How, how? How, how?